Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. You know, we were talking about uh, uh, this this year, and, and um, you know, it's tough to fit everything in one service. You know, you, you don't, you're, it's difficult to do that sometimes, and especially if your last name's Anderson. It's uh, tough to do, but, um, uh, you know, we want to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit and kind of follow Him and, and how He would lead us in a service. And so, um, uh, you know, that's not real common these days. Uh, there's a lot of folks who don't do that. And, you know, we were, I was talking to somebody after service, and they... They don't live in our area, but they said, are there any churches like yours in this particular area? And I said, well, I have no idea. I don't live there. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. But they said, because all our churches in our area, they've got a set time. You know, the songs are a certain number of, of times through, and everything is timed out that they do. And so, well, you know, you said, well, we just, around here, we endeavor to follow the Holy Ghost. And, uh, and um, so it's always not possible to get everything out that you had on your heart at any one particular time. But... Uh, you know, like I said this morning, if you were serving somewhere and maybe not able to be in service, a pastor really gave our uh, 2020 message last week, last Sunday morning, and gave uh, kind of a, an insight from the Holy Spirit as far as what our focus is and uh, what the Lord is wanting to do. And so uh, I piggybacked on some of those things and talked about that. And so if you didn't listen to last Sunday morning, I encourage you to do so. And if you did, go back and listen to it again. But um, pastor talked about, if you weren't here, I talked about uh, the importance of the Word of God in our life and and uh, the seed being planted, the word is the seed, but also watering of the word. And, and uh, the water that uh, the word provides in our life to help grow and establish these things in our life. And I'm so glad that uh, the things that, that God starts, he intends on finishing. And uh, the things that he plants, he wants us to see till, till fulfillment. He wants those things to produce in our life. And um, he's given us everything we need. I'm so grateful we have everything we need for that to take place. We've got every, every resource that's necessary, we have it. And so whether or not we see these things happen for us, uh, really it's not up to anybody but ourselves. And, and um, thank God for what an awesome responsibility that is, what opportunity that is. And so uh, we talked a little about that this morning. I just want to read a couple of things that Pastor had said about this year. Uh, he had said that 2020, we're going to see more in 2020. We're going to see better, better understanding. He said those stubborn things that haven't yet yielded in our life and your life, they're going to fall. And I believe that's true. There's things that, some things that God wants us to, to enter into that uh, we've been uh, striving for and believing for. He wants us to see those things come to pass. And so more light's needed, more, more, more understanding's needed. He gave the example last week of Brother Hagin's uh, uh, experience when he was 16 years old and uh, was, was paralyzed and in bed and got a hold of Mark 11, 23 and 24 and, and believed he received, prayed, believed he received, yet he didn't see any change in his body and and uh, every time he'd have a, little, a muscle ache or an issue here or there, a heart, heart variation, whatever, he'd say, well, I thought I had it, but I guess I don't. So he would believe again. And, and I kind of went round and round about this. And, and I, I see some people shaking their head, oh, that's so silly. We've all been there. You know, it's important to, to remember people are not where we are. And people have not seen the things we've seen. And we ought to be patient with one another. Amen. We ought to be patient with people. And, and yet be bold enough to speak the truth, but do it in love. And uh, because it wasn't that long ago, we, we, all, we all had those kind of things in our life. And I would dare say we probably still ha do have some of those things that we're just not aware of. Amen. I'll, I'll say of myself, I, I, there are definitely some things I need to learn. But, 
he went to before the Lord just in all honesty and, and not being rude, but just said, you know, Lord Jesus, I believe this. And, and if you were to tell me I did, wasn't in faith, I didn't believe I received it, I'd have to say respectfully you're lying. And, and the Lord answered, and God, God is gracious. And he said, well, you know, as far as you know, you believe. You're right. As far as you know, you're in faith. But, uh, and then he began to talk to him and told him, that read him the last part of that scripture. And, and obviously Brother Hagin got it and received his healing. Uh, but Pastor talked about the importance of, you know, just hearing one part starting off in faith. He talked about excited faith versus informed faith. And a faith that caused you to, to jump on something and go after something. But an informed faith will see you through. And, and so we had been talking about that this morning. Just kind of looking at uh, various aspects of that. And, uh, you know, one of the things we talked about was, um, uh, you know, past doesn't define us. And, and, and um, read Brother Copeland's quote that he gave uh, out in Marietta a couple days ago. So when you get born again, I want you to know there's a name-changing ceremony in heaven, he took, you took his name and he took you. And so uh, we need more light on who we are. I, I really do believe identity is a major issue. I really do believe identity, who we are in Christ, is a major in, uh, issue in the body of Christ. Because if your identity is wrong, if, if you are looking at your life wrong, that means your approach to God's going to be wrong. And people say, well, if you just come to God, no, you got to come to God in faith. And part of that is based on who you are. you got to know what the Word says. You know, the reality is there's, we have no excuse for coming to God on any area in ignorance. If our hearts are open, God will reveal the truth to us. But we can't just say, well, that's just that's as good as I know. We need to be pushing forward. And really in the area of identity, it's a big deal. It's a big issue. So I'd encourage you, spend some time you know, studying and going into identity, who you are in Christ. That ought to be something we're looking over on a regular basis. That'll be something we're feeding ourselves on on a regular basis, who we are in Christ, because we're surrounded by culture and a society is always trying to tell us different. You realize the enemy's always trying to define who you are? The enemy's always trying to tell you who you are, always trying to change how you look at yourself, right? He's always trying to, he's always trying to tell you what God thinks about you and how you can approach God. Just because he lost his access doesn't mean you've lost yours, right? But he's wanting you to assume his position, but you, listen, we don't have his position, and we need to be founded in that and grounded in that. And that needs to be a core part of who we are. But, uh, you know, we talked about your past doesn't define us. And we're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Thank God. Now all things are of God. And we also talked about a, a human-sized perspective on a God-sized reality. What, is, what do I mean by that? Just judging what God can do or what, what's possible or who he is or what there is to understand him, about him based on what we already know. And a pastor made the comment um, at some point last week. He said, there's more understanding for you. There's not one subject or truth. Now, now, he was speaking by the Holy Spirit. There's not one subject or truth, not one thing that you know all, that you, that you know it all or have enough. There's not one single area that you have enough or you know it all. And so, you know, because of that, we know God's not hiding these things from us. There, are, there, are, there was a time where there were things were hidden from men. You know, if the, the Bible talks about had the, had the rulers, had God, had the enemy known, he wouldn't have crucified Jesus. Well, those things were hidden from them, but they're not hidden from us. We have the Holy Spirit. And so we've got a lot of growth and a lot of areas we can develop in and, and move forward in. And so uh, we, we need to take the limit off. And one of the biggest things, the dangers of thinking you know everything, apathy sets in. And a, and a, and a relaxed na nature and status and approach in our, in our approach towards God can be very relaxed. And from, we ought to be relaxed before God, don't get me wrong. But same point, in a non-expectant area where our, our faith is turned off or we're not looking for God to reveal any more to us, he's got more to say. 
We read the scripture this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and the ninth verse says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches out all things, yes, the deep things of God. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I tell you, it's such an important area that we are mindful of the job, the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, it wasn't that long ago I had somebody that I uh, was talking to that grew up in this church had come to me and said, you know, I just don't really see the need of, of, uh, of speaking in tongues and praying in the Spirit. What a tragedy that is to miss out on such a gift that we have. If we're going to grow, we need to be people of the Spirit. Amen? People of the Spirit is vital. Go with me over to 2 Kings, uh, the 6th chapter. The Lord had, had uh, put this scripture on my heart and, and reminded me of this account in the Bible. So I was like, okay. So I went and read it. And, and um, like, I really didn't see how it fit or what, what he would bring out about this. But as I meditated on a little while, it didn't take very long. But the Lord pointed out what, what he wanted me to see specifically. We're going to start in the 8th verse. This is 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. It says, Now the king of Syria is making war against Israel, and he commanded or, or consulted his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass through this place, for the Syrians, Syrians are coming down there. Verse 10, Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him. And thus he was watchful there, not just once or twice. So this is something that repeated several times, that uh, Elijah was being, was being uh, Elisha rather, was hearing from the Lord and was warning the king of Israel as far as where the king of Syria was and directing him not to go. So this wasn't just an isolated event, but it happened uh, not just one or two times, but it happened multiple times. Verse 11, therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this, by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Of course, he obviously thought he had a mole, had a spy in his midst. And uh, something, somebody's got to be saying something because everywhere we go, every, all of our sneaky plans, they know right where we are. So he says, so we've got a rat in our midst. We've got somebody who ought not be here. Verse 12, one of his servants said, none, my Lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your own bedroom. I tell you what, it's important who you're listening to. <laughs> I mean, he, even he's saying, listen, he, he's saying, he's telling the king of Israel, even your private matters. He's telling you all your secrets. I tell you, the Holy Ghost what, will bail us out, even in situations where we don't think there's a way, he'll find a way. Amen. So verse 13, he said, he said to them, go and see where he is, and I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, surely he's in Dothan. Apparently he was in Alabama, Dothan, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long trip. You know, they had to go get him in Dothan. Verse 14, Therefore he sent horses and chariots and great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots, and his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? It would be a very troubling situation. Verse 16, So he said, Elisha said, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You know, sometimes just hearing something is not enough. Just hearing something's not enough. You need what? You need to see better. You need more light, right? <laughs> he 
He said, don't fear. Those who are with us are more than those that are with them. So Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open the eyes, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and and behold, the mountains was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the words of Elisha. And it goes on to tell what happened from there. But, you know, we hear this, this passage read and this account read, and, and it's always a, a, an exciting thing. Oh, there's more that are with us than are with them. You know, and the truth is, you know, there's more with us tonight. You know, we live in a time where there's a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, troublesome things being said, and, uh, and Mia this morning or this afternoon came home and said, "What's all this stuff about World War III going on?" Because she heard somebody talking about it, and you know, there's a lot of troubling things. There's a lot of people who are troubled right now, and uh, you know, it's good to know there's more with us than are with them. You know, if we're in the hand, if we're in where God wants us to be, we're going to be just fine. We're going to be just fine, and, and we've got a, a company of angels camped around about us. I tell you, the Bible says, "No evil shall befall us." A thousand may fall at this, 10,000 on my left or whatever, I'm going to be just fine, right? And so we don't need to get into the fear business. We need, to be, we need to be a people of faith and encouragement to the world. You know, this is a good opportunity for you to let your light shine at work. When other people get worried about things, let your light shine. Well, why are you so happy? Well, because I know God's got my back. And as long as you're with me, you're going to be all right. <laughs> It's a good opportunity. So I read this. I was like, well, Lord, that's good, you know. And we get excited about these things that, uh, that he opened his eyes and he saw all the, the host of angels that were around about him. And, but the Lord said, he just, he brought me to, uh, back to verse 17 or verse 16. He says, yes, he said, don't fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord said, that's what I wanted you to look at. Open his eyes. You know, we're talking about in, in 2020 that, that God wants us to see things we've not been seeing, more light, more revelation, you know, uh, the ability to, to see things we've not seen, make connections. You know, there's a lot of areas where, need, where connections need to be made, and, and in our own lives, we need to be seeking after this. But here in this passage, Elijah prayed to the Lord that the Lord would open his eyes, not open his own eyes, but would open his servant's eyes. And, uh, you know, the Lord wanted to, to I believe, directed us is because we've got a responsibility to pray for one another. I know this is something that I talk about quite a bit, it seems like. I don't know if anybody else notices that, and I don't know that, I honestly don't know how often I do. It's funny when you minister, things just all kind of run together after a while. And we'll, we'll be talking about something in youth or, or whatever. Actually, tonight I, I looked up uh, uh, something just curious last time I talked about a particular subject, and it was four years ago. I was like, oh, how did that happen? It's been a while. But it seems like this is something that, I, that, that the Lord brings up to my attention often is our responsibility for one another. And, um, you know, I know it's not just for me. It's for us as a whole that we, we're responsible for each other. We have a part to play. And God wants to do some things in 2020, but, you know, not everybody's at the same place where they really want something else. Not everybody's at the place where they really need something else. They think they need some people don't really have a hunger for these things. You know, when Jesus read the parable of the sower, it was three of the four didn't produce anything. Only one produced. And so we know there's a lot of people on the other side where they're, the, the word is sown into their life. These are people who hear the word. Now, people who aren't even in the building or never, uh, never hear it at all, they're not even mentioned here, but these are people who hear the word. Three of the four, according to what Jesus said, they don't produce 
Maybe it springs up for a little while, something's done, something happens for a couple of them, something's produced for a minute at a time, but the enemy is able to get in and steal all of that. And so you've got 75% that aren't doing anything, but you have a quarter that are. And, um, you know, in ministry, one thing I've had to learn over the years is, you know, I don't base my happiness based on whether or not other people are getting it. You know, as a minister, and you'll find if you're going to be investing in people, you've got to know that at the end of the day, if you've done what the Lord's told you to do, to do, you go to bed, you sleep well, you let them do what they're going to do, because you can't make decisions for people. But at the same point, I'm not happy with, with, with the percentages that we have. When I, re- I don't believe that the Lord told us this or, or gave us the parable of the sower so we'd be okay with 25%. I don't think he, he gave that as an example. So, well, we can be like, well, you know, 75 won't, 25 will, we're good with that. No, it was a way to, he was giving this, three, three of the four didn't produce long term, but giving us the key so we can move more people into the production phase, so we can change the num- those numbers from three out of four to, to, to four out, to two out of four, to, to three out of four that are producing to us, to, to make a shift there. And, um, you know, I know I had to, I've had to learn for myself that I'm not going to be let other people's decisions phase me. But, you know, we always want to be pushing for people to produce in their life. Well, how do you produce, how do you influence somebody to, to, to see something that they're really not open to seeing or have no desire to see? How do you do that? Well, we have the answer right here. Elisha in this scripture he didn't need to see it for himself. He didn't need to see with his own eyes to know that those that the angels were with him, that God had his back. He didn't need to see that, but the servant needed to see it. For his own peace, he needed to see something. And so Elisha went to the Lord, not on his own behalf, but he went on to, the, to the Lord on the behalf of somebody else. How do we get the, 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 the numbers to change? How do we get growth to happen in these things? We have to lift other people up in prayer. You know... Like I said, I, 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 it's something that our motivation in this must be for others at the same time. You know, as we're heading into a new year, you know, I'm believing God to see things that I've not seen. I'm believing God to, for him to show me things that I've not made a connection on before so that I can produce better, that my fruit can be better. I'm believing God because I know there's things that I need to see, things I've not seen, things I need clarity on. I realize that. But I also understand that I have a responsibility to pray that others get that as well. You know, we go back over to the Ephesians, uh, the, 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 the first chapter, Ephesians chapter 1, and we read this this morning. In the 15th verse, this is, Therefore I also, after heard of your faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for myself, making mention of myself in my prayers. You notice that's not what he did. Now, I will say, you know, that this, these, this section of scriptures is something that Brother Hagin prayed over his life, and it's something that I pray over myself, and, and actually, I'm, I'm going to, uh, it's on my heart, I'm going to spend more time praying over myself. I know he had given the, the, as a young Baptist preacher and freshly into Pentecost that, he got a hold of these scriptures and started praying over himself. And he said for the first little while, he didn't really see much difference, didn't notice much difference. But three or so months later, 
He said he finally one day just woke up and kind of came to himself and realized, oh, my goodness. He, he, said, he said the whole Bible began to come alive to him. He had spent some time investing in prayer in this area over himself, and he would read these scriptures that he, the, that he would insert his own name, that you'd give me or Kenneth, you'd give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He said that the Bible just began to open up to him. And he even told Aretha, he said, uh, he said, dear Lord, what have I been preaching all these years? He said, I feel like I don't know anything. So now I'm seeing stuff that I think, oh, what in the world was I doing before? And, and thank God for that we can pray this over ourselves. But, but what about praying about it for somebody else who maybe their heart's not quite there yet? Maybe they're, they're not... Their, their, their hunger level is not to that place yet. It's, it's, a, it's, it's required. It's necessity. He said, I, he said, I cease not. This was an ongoing endeavor that he had praying for somebody else. This was an ongoing assignment. That, this wasn't just something that Paul, I believe, decided to do. I believe this was inspired by the Holy Ghost. A lot of times when we see people struggling, what's the temptation? What's the temptation? When you see somebody struggling in an area, a brother or sister, people don't want to answer. The, what, what is the temptation? I know the temptation is because I've done it myself and I've heard others do it. Is to be, who said it? To be critical. To make comments about where they're missing it. Because we, 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 we've, how could they not see that? Don't they know better? You know, the reality is people don't know better. People just don't know better. You know, the Bible says that the God of this world has people's eyes blinded. He blinds people's eyes. You know, he's still in the blinding business. And people can unwillingly get, we're talking about seeing more. We're talking about having a clearing, clarity of sight and being able to see what God needs, light coming in. The entrance of his word brings light. Well, if you've got a blinder on, it doesn't matter how bright it is, if the, depending on how good the blinder is, you're not going to see the light. And if you don't see it, how do you know that instead of being critical of things, we ought to go, the, go to the Lord. That ought to be our first thing we do when we see something, go to the Lord first. And not go to the Lord to complain about it. How many know the Lord doesn't like here complaining either? Have you ever gone to the Lord complaining about a situation? Anybody ever done that but me? I will tell them myself, I've done that before. You know, I just don't like this. I don't like the way this is going, and they're doing this, and this ain't right. I've noticed the Lord usually has very little to say to me when I do that. You know, I've never heard the Lord once go, yeah, that's right. That old guy, oh, I tell you what, oh, y'all, you tell me, brother, I mean, it's terrible. I've never had the Lord do that. I just, he's usually really quiet. I know nobody's ever done that but me. Just the other day, I was complaining to the Lord about Steve. No, I wasn't, but... uh <laughs> no, the Lord, the Lord doesn't like that either because there's no power in complaining. There's no life in complaining. Jesus on the cross, he didn't say, these guys down here, Father, what's wrong with them? He said, forgive them, right? You know, our, our, our go-to shouldn't be to complain or, or to, to, to talk down but it should be go to the Lord and say, Lord, open their eyes. They're, they're missing. You know, deception is an awful thing. Deception is awful. Have you ever been in a place where the, Lord, where the enemy has lied to you about something and you've been deceived and then later you saw the truth and you were, you, you were, you, you're glad for the truth, but also you're a little ticked off. And, and, and generations have been robbed because of deception. Lives have been lost because of deception. 
And so it's not something that, that the Lord hates deception. He hates darkness. He, he despises it because it keeps people from having everything that he died to secure for them. He hates it. But there's no power in complaining about it, but there is power in praying about it. Like I said, I don't think that, that Paul did this just because he just decided it. He was directed by the Spirit of God to pray for them. Had Paul not prayed for them, now the, the church in Ephesus, this was a church that had their act together. By and large, they were doing a good job. They had their act together. They, they were the leading church in all of Asia Minor. The church in Ephesus was the head church, and all of the ones around them looked to the church in Ephesus for direction. So this was a good, solid church. It might have even been impact-worthy. I don't know. I'm sure it was. A, we've got a good church, but this was a good church as well. But Paul was praying for these folks. He said, after I heard of your love, or your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. You know, talking about, oh Lord, talking about uh, praying for others, that ought to be our position in the beginning, giving thanks for them first and foremost. <laughs> your prayer can't be effective for somebody unless you're thankful for them first. And I don't mean just say thankful words but a thankful heart for them. I think we're getting some light tonight, aren't we? You ever pray for somebody because you're frustrated and your prayer was good, but you weren't real happy with them? How'd that work out for you? Probably not real good. He says, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom in revelation, in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. You know, that's something the Lord's had me praying for folks, you know, that, that, that they may know what is the hope of their calling. Why do people not make the connection? Why do people, why, why do people, why are people in the 75%? Because they don't know what the hope of his calling is. They don't see the point. They just don't get it. What a sad place to be in where you just don't get it. Well, those who do get it, let's pray that they get it. That you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he, raised in, he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. This was Paul, something that Paul did by the direction of the Spirit. He prayed for them that they would see something, just like Elisha did. We see this throughout scriptures that men and women of God who are being used by God that have grown in their walk with God, they're always looking back to pray for and encourage and to pull out of those who are behind them in development. They're always doing that, reaching out towards them. That is a principle, that is a, a God-given tested and tried pattern we have in scripture go over to galatians i'm sorry go to colossians colossians the first chapter verse verse nine it's the same thing here he has some different wording here but it's it's talking about the same thing verse nine it says for this reason we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So it started here praying for them to have wisdom. What are we talking about? Seeing clearly. 
praying for them to see what they need to see, for a spirit that, that their eyes would be opened. He goes on to say that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Listen, if they're, if they're not filled with the knowledge of his will and all, and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, they can't, they can't walk worthy of the Lord. We need to pray this over ourselves, but we also need to be praying that over other people. You know, there was one minister I was, I was listening to, and, and, uh, and, and actually he was a youth minister. I don't, he's not any longer, but he was a youth minister, in a, and it's been a long time ago, so I maybe get some of the details wrong, but he was a youth minister in a small town in Louisiana. And, uh, his, and his youth ministry grew from just a few hundred, not a small town, I say small town, I mean not as small as High Springs, but a smaller city, not like a, not New Orleans or anything, but, you know, smaller Smaller, large city, maybe like Gainesville. I don't know how big it is. I'll stop. But anyway, uh, it was a town of some number that had people living in it, more than one. <laughs> but anyway, it was a it was a town. Anyway, and uh, his youth ministry, he had he had I don't know a hundred or two hundred teenagers in his youth ministry, and in the course of three or four years, that youth ministry grew to over four thousand people in it. Over 4,000 teenagers had come in and, and gotten born again, and not just gotten born again, but got plugged in. And he was given his, his secret, what he did. And he said, it's real simple. You know what I did? I prayed. He said, I simply prayed. He said, I wish I could give you some other kind of, uh, of, of magic thing that I did. And this guy's not a cool guy. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? He said, this guy's not, he's not cool like me. But uh, <laughs> he's not a cool guy, but, but he knew how to pray. And... Uh, he went before the Lord and, and began to pray. And this is what he was praying for them, that the Lord would open the eyes of their understanding. Even people that weren't born again, he was lifting them up in prayer. He was saying, Lord, I'm asking you, you what, another way of saying it, reveal yourself to them. Show yourself strong in their life. Like I said, you know, this is part of our responsibility. If we're going to see more, I, I've said this before, where the group, where the body goes, we all go. And we can't go as individuals unless we go as a group. There's things that... that you know, that the Lord wants us to take us to, but we can't get there by ourselves. And so praying for one another is, vast, is vastly important. It is the answer, and oftentimes it's praying that God would show them things. You know, sometimes you praying that God would reveal himself and open the eyes of understanding is more important than you saying anything to them. It's sometimes, it's, it's oftentimes it's more important than you trying to correct those things is you simply praying and getting in there and praying and getting in there and praying and speaking the word over them and getting over there and asking God to reveal himself and getting in there and, and getting before God on their behalf over and over and over. Paul said, I cease not to make mention of you in my prayers. He said, I'm doing, he's doing it over and over and over and over again. It's so important that we do this. You know, one thing that, as I was reading this this morning, the Lord reminded me in Galatians chapter 6, what does it say? God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he's also going to reap. You know, a lot of times I think, you know, and I've been there in my own life, you know, where you're hesitant to do for somebody else because you have a need. You're hesitant to put effort into somebody else because you need to see some things. Sometimes our prayer for somebody else is the very thing we need to do so that we can see ourselves. Because whatever you sow, even in this area, God said you're going to reap it. Go from the Acts, the, the 26th chapter. This is the vision of our church. And this is the, the thing the Lord gave pastor many, many years ago, I think in 1983 or somewhere in that, in that range. 
a few years ago. And so it should be of no surprise that this is something the Lord's highlighting to us in, in 2020 is to see better and to see clearer. That excites me because there's things God needs to get across to us. But it says here in the 16th chapter, it says, But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. How do we get to the yet reveal? We have to start believing God for it. We, we've really got to start believing God for it. And it's got to become a focus for us to believe for these things. We, we've got to get serious about believing God for those things, for these things. You know, I don't know exactly, you know, I know we're in high springs and I'm just, I don't know exactly what the Lord has for us in the future as a church. Will we ever be huge? I have no idea. I have no clue. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know the Lord has called us to do some things. Our size as a congregation is, and the size of the town we're in doesn't, doesn't affect, doesn't change our effectiveness in the realm of the Spirit or the impact we can have in the world. It really does not. It really does not. Somebody's got to contend for some of these things. Somebody's got to contend for some of these things. And I know some of this stuff may not be easy for someone who wants to be a casual Christian, but I'm sorry, God doesn't want there to be casual Christians. He really doesn't want there to be casual Christians, but the reality is they exist, and we've got a choice. Are we going to be a casual Christian or not be a casual Christian? Are we going to do what the Lord's assigned us to do, or are we going to do something else? And this is the vision he's given us as a church. And this is something that pastor last week, by the Spirit of God, talked about in this year to be a focus of ours. It's not just a message, it's an assignment. It's a continuation of the vision of our church. It's a clarity, a clarification on the vision of our church. To make us a minister and a witness of the things we have seen. So we've got to be faithful to what we've already seen. How, one way you get more light is by walking in the light you already have. We, know, we all know that to be true, but if there's things we're missing out on that we're neglecting to do, God is under no obligation to give us any more instruction. Has anybody ever gone to the Lord? Lord, what do I do next? And they say, and, and you know the answer is, have you done what I already told you to do? I've been there before where I've asked the Lord, and he had nothing to say, and I knew because I wasn't doing what he already said. And so we want more light. We've got to be faithful to the light that we've, we've been given. But he said the things that he'll yet reveal, it means we've got to contend for those things. We have to ask for those things. We want to say, I'll deliver you from the Jewish people as well from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God that may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. We're going to get to those places more effectively. We're going to get to those places in a greater degree. We're going to see more of this happen, people's eyes being open. We're going to see this, other people's eyes being open. We're, we're going to see that. But as a congregation, those who are called to us, we need to make sure our own eyes are open, that we're getting a hold of what God has for us. It's what we've been called to do. 
You know, I know Pastor said it last week, and, and I'll say it again. We need to set our heart to see more clearly than we've seen before. There's so much to be done. There's so much to be seen. There's so many answers to be had. This is what God's calling us to. And the, the cool thing about this, when God calls us to something that we're all capable of walking in those things, every last one, this goes back to the hope of his calling. You gotta see this, that what he's called us to, it's for all of us. It's not just for a pastor, Pastor Angela, Amy and I, Stephen, Rachel, whoever. It's not for, it's for everybody. Whoever will, let them come. Whoever, he whoever has ears to hear, let them hear, right? I mean, it's, it's open to everybody. It's, it's ours. It belongs to us. You know, I was telling the Lord this afternoon, Lord, so a lot of times I feel like, you know, a lot of times I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to encourage, I feel like it keeps coming out, encourage people to, to, to step out and, and to, and just to kind of keep going and, because it's so necessary. It's so necessary to not settle, to not be okay with just laying back, but to keep pushing forward. I know sometimes things are difficult, but your answer is not in relaxing. Your answer is not in back, your answer is not in saying it's okay. The answer is in pushing forward. If not for you, for somebody else, the answer is pushing forward. The answer is pushing forward. That's where our answer is. Elisha prayed that his eyes would be open. Even though he didn't need to see it, he already knew what was his. He didn't need to see that. Somebody else did. Had Elisha not asked, he'd have never seen it. Had Paul not prayed, they'd have not gotten it. It's necessary that we do these things. You know, it's been a while. It's been a while since I've talked about uh, discipleship, and it's something that uh, talked about. I think four years ago or so, and three or four years ago, talked about. And God, God, Jesus. What's the first thing He told His disciples when He met them? What's the first thing He said? The first disciple He met. What did He say? He might know. Peter. And Andrew, what's the first thing he told him when he saw him? He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'll make you fishers of men. I think it's one of the only places in the Bible that we hear where Jesus said he'll make you do something. But he did say he'll make us fishers of men. Do you realize that God is not in the catch and release business? Do you realize God does not have a catch and release policy? Captain Kirby, is there a catch and release on certain things that you, you catch? Is it, now you're a commercial fisherman. Are there some things that you can't keep because it doesn't meet certain criteria? There is no criteria in the kingdom of God. There's no catch and release. When he, when he talked to Peter and Andrew, these were fishermen. And the idea of catching something, he was talking their language. He used an example that they could understand. They were professional, uh, not hunters, professional fishermen. Maybe they hunted too, who knows. But they were professional fishermen. There wasn't, they didn't think catch and release. They thought catch and keep. Catch and keep. Remember when Jesus sent them out in the boat after, after when, 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 when he ministered in the boat and they cast out from the shore, right? And, they, and they, he said, now drop your net. 
drop your net right here. And they're like, Lord, we, we've labored all day. You know, and listen, if there's any, we know what we're doing. If there was any fish here to catch, we'd have caught them. And they caught it. They caught it. They caught a, a, such a huge uh, catch of fish that it started to break the nets. They didn't say, oh, that's enough. Oh, this is enough fish. Oh, we got plenty of fish. What'd they do? They called out other boats. Hey, hey, hey. Because it wasn't a catch and release. It was to catch everything you can catch. But it doesn't do any good to catch something if you don't clean it. Any fish you catch that you don't clean won't, won't do you any good. Right? Anything, if you don't clean it, it'll, it'll do you no good. It'll do anybody else any good. If it doesn't get cleaned somewhere... It's not beneficial to anybody. Our praying for our fellow brothers and sisters that God has called to us here is part of the catch and clean process. We don't want to just catch them. We want to, we want to help clean them. You can't make somebody descale, but you can sure pray some slime off of them, right? I mean, you know, you, <laughs> I mean, you, you can spend some time praying on their behalf, right, to help clean them up some, right? I mean, you can do your part. My, my point is, there, there is, it's not just, catching is not enough. At some point, if you only catch and you never clean, you'll lose your desire to catch because you have a bunch of useless fish or unproductive fish or fish that you can't do anything with. I mean, if you couldn't do something with them, now you sell yours and somebody else cleans them, I'm assuming, What's that? He, he, say, he says he does have to gut them before he, clean, before he sells them. Yeah, he has to prepare them to some degree. Now, if you didn't prepare them, if you did nothing, you'd have nothing to sell. They'd go bad. Would you stay in that business very long? <laughs> After doing this for weeks and weeks and weeks, at some point, if, if you're just catching them, you could be the best catcher in the world, but if you didn't do the next step to clean them, to do that part, Eventually, you'd lose your desire to catch anymore because it's not paying off. This is part of the cleaning process we have, not only in our own lives, but also in the lives of somebody else. It's part of the discipleship process. Jesus, go, go over there, look at it. Matthew, if I want Matthew, if I want Mark. Mark, I want you always. You're a great guy. But I'm talking about Mark in the Bible here. That's Matthew. We'll stop here in just a minute. Matthew chapter 28. 18, Jesus said and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me. Notice he started off by talking about making them fishers of men. And as fishers, they're not going to just catch, they're going to clean, they're going to do that part. They're going to prepare it. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Spirit or the Father and, and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I just want to point out, listen, our, our, our responsibility is to not just catch them, but is to help mold them and perfect them and grow them, descale them. Amen. You know, if we're going to see what God wants us to see in this coming year, if we're going to be able to walk in the things, the things that he wants to reveal to us, we're going to have to want this for ourselves. We're going to take the limits off. We don't know everything. We don't know everything. I challenge you, spend, pray these scriptures over yourself every day. If you're struggling in this area, pray these scriptures over yourself every day for the next three months. Just take three months every day. I'm going to pray this over myself. Brother Hagin, I'm going to pray this over my, and expect God to hear you and see if you're not seeing things differently. 
Sometimes we only do things for a day or two and we think, well, that's not working out quite so well. I'd rather turn the TV back on. But we also need to do this for somebody just because you're not seeing a change in their life. Let's commit to, to, to praying, not just for ourselves, seeking for ourselves, but for one another. Amen? Well, praise God. Let's all stand up. Hallelujah. Thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. Praise God. I'm glad this ain't a catch and release business that we're in because I might have been let go because I sure was slimy at one point. Some of you were real slimy. <laughs> Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done today. Thank you for the things that have been said. Father, we'll be faithful to do, put into practice the things you've given us. Even in these areas, Father, help us to see more clearly what you'd have us to see, Father. Lord, we invite you to reveal yourself on a more clear basis, even in this area. Father, we're thankful for it. Lord, we put an expectation upon you, upon the Holy Spirit, our teacher, our guide, to direct us, instruct us, lead us. Father, we're thankful. We're thankful. We're thankful. This year, 2020, seeing things we've not seen, clarity, revelation that we've not had that's necessary for the next step of our lives and of our church. Father, we're thankful for that. Lord, we put, we put in a demand upon you for those things. Father, we lift up our brothers and sisters that you've called to this church. Father, give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Open the eyes of all of our understandings. See the hope of your calling. <laughs> the inheritance that we have, the exceeding greatness that's toward us, all of those things. Father, open our eyes. Help us to see what we need to see. Father, we thank you for it. In the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.